0: At this time in the retreat, I'd like to speak a little bit about the the quality and the cultivation of joy in relationship to practice and the, the way we're engaging here together. Sometimes, and sometimes observed, it can seem that things can look a little serious at Guy House. And uh, it's true in a way, what we're engaged in is something very serious. The uh, liberation of the human heart is not a casual undertaking. And yet, at the same time as there's there's something very wholehearted, we could say serious, involved here, it's really important not to take it too seriously. To really have a sense of the potential for a lightness, an upliftedness in the way we are, in the way we engage with what's happening here. The quality of joy is something that we perhaps might sense or recognize in reflecting on our potential, on what's possible for us. One of the things that I enjoy doing when I come into the meditation hall is having a moment just to to bow to the Buddha. To just acknowledge the remarkable offering that this human being gave to to me personally and really to humanity and to this world and the teachings of wisdom and compassion that he offered. Something quite remarkable and precious for me. And there's a a way in which it just makes me smile to sit down and face, I mean, in one sense of course it's a, uh, just a piece of sort of inert metal um, and uh, may not have any resonance for some, it's, which is really fine, but there's something in the way of relating to what it represents for myself that brings me a lot of joy, it brings me a sense of just gladness of heart, a sense of the possibility of a... A complete liberation, a complete freeing and releasing of heart and mind from the entanglement with the world, from the sense of struggle with the world. And there's a way in which it sort of invites a a quality of an outbreath, just a... Ah, yes. Because I think it's something we have a sense of. We perhaps recognize the potential of it for ourselves, and that's part of what brings us here. Although we may not yet fully know or trust what that might be for us. But to just contemplate, to reflect on this capacity we have to transform our hearts, our minds and thereby to transform the way we are in the world and the world itself. It's actually something very heartening. It's a very uh, for me a very uplifting message to Give attention to. And it's interesting because it often can, with that, generate then a sense of you know, having to get busy to make it happen. And uh, we've reflected some already on the, the importance of really allowing ourselves to be where we are. Finding a sense of just acceptance and okayness and just where we are, that this is where we need to be. Not making too much of a project out of what we're engaged in. There's a poem by one of my favourite, uh, we could say teachers, although he died long before I was ever around, and uh, and yet as a poet and a, a teacher, Khan is, is someone who's touched me immensely. He is a, a Zen monk who lived in I think the 17th century. Um, what well, may have been the 18th? I actually have forgotten for sure just now, but it was there about, and he, he was very sensitive and tender being it seems from his poetry but also expressed a lot of joy in different ways and uh, one of the poems that I often enjoy reflecting on and remember and I was thinking of it earlier today when it was actually still raining uh, but uh, it's no longer which may be a source of joy in itself if it stays that way but he once wrote he said too lazy to be ambitious, I let the world take care of itself. Ten days' worth of rice in my bag, a bundle of firewood at my feet. Why chatter about delusion and enlightenment? listening to the sound of the night rain upon my roof. I sit comfortably, with both legs stretched out. And I'm always moved to add, "Ah," at the end of it, that wasn't his word, but that's my response to it, that sense of, somehow letting go of one's struggle with the world, and yet nonetheless being really present with oneself really connected with where we are. And that <coughs> very simple acknowledgments of one's, you know, basic needs being met to have a bundle of ri- sorry, a bundle of firewood and a bag full of rice. Just something so simple. He lived kind lived a very simple life and just a hut, a little hermitage in the in the woods up on a mountain. In a lot of his poems he speaks about the, the loneliness of being there by himself a lot of the time. And yet, equally, the joy of going and playing with the children in the local villages. And this, this sense about not trying to get somewhere. Like when we come from a place of needing to get somewhere else, it's so hard to find joy in life. It's always work. Work is about getting somewhere else. And one of the great things about practice is that, in a certain way, you know, we don't get anywhere. You know, this might be disappointing initially, but in another way it might be also quite a relief. A certain way we don't get anywhere. You know, going out and doing walking meditation. If we told someone about it, they might say, what does that achieve? Walking back and forth, going, may I be happy, may you be happy. And in one sense, from a conventional level, it doesn't appear to reproduce anything functional, useful, valuable. You know, and certainly nothing saleable at a Saturday market. And it's yet there's a shift, there's a reorientation away from those kind of traditional or familiar activities that produce something we value to to more a reconnecting with what is truly a value that's inherent, that's already here, and that perhaps we don't yet fully know. So one of the things that happens in the silence is we we start to get some space from how concerned we are about what other people think about us. This is one of the greatest causes of losing our quite natural sense of uplift and joy. Spending a lot of time being worried about how we will be perceived, whether we'll be allowed or accepted as we are. And the way we try and configure ourselves to be other than as we are. As a response to that. A teacher who, I I never knew the name of this teacher, I only heard The quote from what they said once was uh, they said that we would spend a lot less time worrying about what other people think of us if we knew how little time they spent doing it. In the sense of, we're mostly, if we think about it, we, we find we're thinking about ourselves. We might think about other people but always in relationship to ourselves, what they mean for us or to us or did to us or for us. And it tends to always center around ourselves. And actually starting to let that go in the silence, seeing that actually we can just be here as human beings. And turn towards something beautiful, something lovely, something noble. The quality of uplifting our heart is actually a capacity we have, a skill we can develop. And it comes from understanding that you know, in a world where experience is changing all the time, where things are not in our control, it's really hard to organise it according to what we wish or how it might be most favourable for our personal preferences. It's a really difficult thing to get that to happen. I don't know if you've spotted that along the way. It starts to get more and more obvious the longer we're trying to do it and seeing we still haven't quite got there. Or if we get there, we only manage to keep it that way for a little while. Hmm? People, human beings, they just don't do things we want them to. Or they do things we don't want them to. That's other people, ourselves likewise. And it can seem like somehow that's a real problem in some ways. And yet as we see that that's so, if we recognize, huh, yeah, that's how it is. Maybe we don't have to make a struggle out of that reality. And yet within it, there's a possibility of seeing that what we turn our attention to actually is what gives rise to our world. This is one of the most profound and powerful teachings that the Buddha articulated. He said the way we give attention and what we give attention to is actually the basis of how the world arises for us. And so if we notice that if we could always give attention to the things that aren't okay, the things that we don't like, the things that don't work, the things that went wrong, things are kind of miserable and unpleasant. Tragic, it seems. And there are plenty of such things in life. I'm not suggesting, and the Buddha certainly wasn't suggesting we deny or ignore that. Of course, it needs to be acknowledged. It needs to be seen and recognized, to be understood that there is that element in life. And yet, what we tend to do is often, in a certain way, trying to negate that, or wishing it wasn't like that, we find ourselves mostly focused on it and trying to make it so things were always as I would wish them to be, we kind of get focused on how much they're not that way. And that seems to... It's like the focus of attention narrows and constricts and shrinks around what's difficult or unwanted for us. And so starting to pay attention to what it is that is more positive, is more uplifted, where we feel a sense of appreciation... For things, for situations, for ourselves, for others, and we we've mentioned that this quality of appreciation is a is that the basis in fact, what the Buddha talked about is the proximate cause or the proximate condition it's the for the arising of loving kindness it's that quality and capacity of heart that loving kindness arises consequent upon, so when we feel a sense of appreciation for there's a natural sense of kindness towards. They really come together in that way. And this is something we might notice. So that when we practice loving kindness, we're invited to attend to what we appreciate in someone. Because that actually brings forth that quality. And what we appreciate in ourselves. Because that brings forth that quality. And that that bringing forth, or that turning towards that sense of appreciation is equally <clears throat> a foundation for joy a foundation for uplift for that quality of lightness or even delight that we can know that we can experience so sometimes it's useful to make a practice of turning towards what it is that we what we love what we value what we appreciate in others and in ourselves. Because it connects us with kindness, but equally because it brings a sense of joy. A sense of delight. And so just as I enjoy to, to bow to the Buddha, sometimes when I come into the hall, or when I'm giving a talk, equally at the end of a sitting, there's a sense when you're just naturally wanting to bow to whoever I'm sitting with. And it might be a room full of people, it might be just... My wife, Catherine, in the morning. Or I could be on my own and I'm just you know, bowing to whatever's in front of me. But just that some sense of just honoring. Oh, how lovely, how beautiful, how amazing that this is happening at all. This life, this process and potential for waking up. And what is it for us to really honor, to acknowledge, to even just imagine the possibility of our own hearts? That this heart that we know that we experience is at times tangled or struggling. This mind that feels at times bound has the possibility of knowing freedom. Of boundlessness. And that this is really what's represented in the Buddha's own story and realization of this possibility. Not just his possibility but the possibility for all human beings to wake up in this way. The German scholar, monk, Nyanaponika Tara, who lived in the the 20th century, he once wrote in his book The Heart of Buddhist Meditation. I think it was right in the first chapter or introduction. I remember being very struck when I first read it. He said, you know, this heart-mind is bound all over. And yet it can know freedom here and now. So we know that sense of being bound, and yet there's also this possibility of freedom. to liberate the heart from that bondage, the mind, to be freed from that bondage. And one of the elements of that practice and process, the journey of that, is that paying attention to experience, connecting, grounding, allowing ourselves to really see what's going on. Bringing into that quality of being present a sense of Kindness, of friendliness really contributes to the opening, to the softening, to the connecting that's possible for us. And we can use the loving-kindness practice as we have to really support the deepening in that way. And then we can turn our attention also to what is actually good, what is beautiful in our life and around us, in ourselves and in others. Sometimes one of the hardest things for us to do. It's actually kind of sad in a way, but for many of us, it's one of the hardest things. I, I find myself reflecting at times, you know, most people I know. Including myself, would find it relatively easy to list five or ten things that could really do with improving about ourselves. Things we could really do with having resolved, fixed, upgraded, and we actually wouldn't feel too bad. It would almost feel like a good cleansing penance to even have to read them out in front of other people. You know, just to say this is what I could do with improving. It's almost like it would feel holy to do it, wouldn't it? You know, like not easy, but I could do that. So Have some sense of that. Maybe you resonate with that or not, but. For most people, I think, it will be much scarier and more difficult to list five or ten things that we think are really great about ourselves, really wonderful about ourselves, and to read them out and say, this is what's wonderful about me. Imagine that. you know? Scary, I imagine, for most. And don't worry, we're not going to ask you to do that. Um, though I thought about it once. Um, but just imagining that maybe it's Okay. To really let ourselves notice, to really reflect on, to really honor what's good, what's wholesome, what's beautiful, what's noble in ourselves, equally as in others. Buddha talked about a quality he described as kalyana, a certain loveliness, a certain something that's really worthy of a delighted reverence, of a joyful bowing to in ourselves and each other. And so one of the one of the practices the Buddha suggested was to just take time to reflect on what's wholesome and good in ourselves without a sense of needing to make ourselves better than someone else. It's really interesting. When we when we're engaged in a sense of, oh, you know, it's it's sort of more noble to say I'm really kind of have all these limitations and failings and it would be kind of big headed and not very spiritual to say how great I am, you know. That's sort of when we do it in comparison to others. When we're trying to say, I'm better than, or I'm not as good as. Then it's kind of something that we get entangled with. When it's more just honoring something, not in relationship or in comparison to others, then it's very powerful as a practice. And to, to honor our good actions, to take time to reflect on the acts of kindness that each of us, all of you, me, you, everyone here, over our lives, so many acts of kindness we will have expressed and undertaken in so many different ways. <coughs> moments of forbearance from reacting, or moments of offering something to another person, or just taking care of what needed to be done when it didn't necessarily, it wasn't necessarily our job to do that. Or just even in the sort of the way in which people move. And it seems over the day we notice almost like the dance of getting through the doorways and the corridors when there's 50-something people in the room and just a narrow little passageway to pass through, going in or out. There's a certain grace that starts to develop as people just sensitively find their way to move together or to wait and pause when that's needed to let someone else through. And there's these myriad moments of just little moments of consideration, of kindness, of supporting, of allowing, that are extended, just even in the day of being here together. So many of those moments that we can start to notice and appreciate in others and in ourselves. So many acts of generosity, of kindness, in fact, take place. To honour the... the, Again, we come back to this, we say this frequently, but honouring the sense of our practice of what we're doing here cultivating heart and mind. The philosopher Spinoza once said, all truly noble human endeavours are as difficult as they are rare. And the the journey of opening our hearts and freeing our lives is a, a noble human endeavour, but indeed challenging. And rare in the sense that Many people, most people, in fact the vast majority of people on this planet, will never go through even a single day where they chose to be in silence and really be with themselves in the way that we are here. Let alone seek to take that day of silence to really bring forth a sense of friendliness and kindliness. And so to, to really honour that, how beautiful, how, how wonderful. And you know, maybe you're a little tired of hearing us say that. Like, maybe you're not quite sure is that true? They're just trying to be nice to us. But it really is so. It really is so. What a different world it would be if more people spend time doing this. Really. What a different world it would be. We talked about the precepts last night. What a different world it would be if, even just for one day, every human being on this planet kept those five simple principles of non harming. Just for one day, what a difference it would be. You know, the newspapers would be short of things to put on the front page, but apart from that, it would be great. Maybe even that would be great. Huh? To take time and moments to reflect on our good fortune, the blessings of our life. That we have food and shelter, that we have companions here. Someone was reflecting in one of the in one of the groups, just the sense of and just realising, oh wow, it makes such a difference having people here to do this with. What fortune, what good fortune, how? And just to notice what's it like to bring that to mind, to reflect on it. They have the opportunity to practice. It's a rare thing. It's an incredible blessing have the chance to hear teachings and explore practices that are liberating that are freeing of the heart and mind There are many good things here for us in this life And It's not about denying the difficult or the struggles or the problems. These are real for us, of course. But seeing that if we only focus in that way, it tends to lead to a heaviness and a density and a certain kind of kind of weariness or sense of struggle of just all the things we have to deal with. And you know, that's part of what's true, but it's not all of it. There's something else that's here. That's much brighter and clearer. So reflecting on this in this way can can bring us a sense of, of appreciation for life, for ourselves, for each other. And if we focus only, as I said, it's about balance. And actually there's an interesting illustration I have for that sense of balance, which I remember once... Um, when I was living and uh, teaching in America some, quite some years ago now, we went on a trip from the retreat center I was living at, uh, Insight Meditation Center, We went on a trip to the beach. And it was a lovely, gorgeous, sunny day. It was a beautiful, sandy beach. And I was lying on the sun, and there was all the sunshine. There wasn't a cloud on the sky. You know, it wasn't England. Um, it was just, ah. And I was really, really miserable because there was a fly, and it was biting me. And it struck me at one point that there was about one square millimetre of my body was experiencing this sharp, painful little biting experience. And the rest of me was having these really lovely, warm, pleasant sensations that I longed for. That, And I couldn't. It seemed I had to work really hard to notice how pleasant almost all of my body felt. Because what my mind wanted to do was think, what about that bit there? And when I kind of could just open up and get that perspective, it's like, huh. Maybe that's like life, isn't it? So often we pick up that one little point that's not okay. Sometimes, of course, it's a bigger, more challenging thing than just a small biting fly. But it kind of illustrates for me really clearly that sense of, oh, so much we have that we're here. And to really turn towards that, to really allow that in for ourselves. So it's really important for us to know what uplifts us. What brings forth a sense of happiness and well-being. To to know what touches you in your heart. And to really make it a priority to bring that into your life. To bring that forth as something that you make a priority. You know there's that old saying, I don't know where it originated from. It goes something along the lines nobody ever lay on their deathbed wishing they'd spent more time in the office. Now of course we need to take care of our needs in terms of livelihood and taking care of homes and families and all of that. But we need to equally take care of engaging with what we love. And what we love might be silence and might be Conversation over a cup of coffee or tea. What we love may be sitting still, and it may be dancing or walking in the hills. There's so many different ways in which that quality can be engaged, and I sometimes find myself in speaking with people on a retreat, really asking them, saying, what do, you, "What do you notice here that you enjoy? Spend some time with the, the tree that you like here, or the." the geranium plant that you like the fragrance of or whatever it might be just spend a little time letting yourself take in what it is that touches you in that way because it's good for us to do that it's healthy for our well-being and in this pra- in this uh teaching and tradition there's a very specific practice for cultivating joy that in a way goes in a very profound direction beyond just connecting with what brings our self-joy. But allowing ourselves to be touched also by the joy and the happiness that other people experience. That there's a way in which often for us there's a certain scarcity where we feel that there isn't enough for me. Like I want more and if someone else has got all the good things that means I won't get them. I won't have them. And it's hard to feel happy on behalf of others sometimes. And it's quite a a radical idea, but it's actually also quite a wonderful one to think of the possibility, to contemplate the possibility of what the Buddha called mudita. Mudita is the word in Pali that refers to a quality of appreciative joy. And just as Loving kindness, or in the, word, in the language of the Buddha, metta, is a quality of heart that's understood as uplifting and somewhat sort of exalted, or we could say even a divine abiding, is the language the Buddha used. It's sort of like something really holy that we can learn to abide in. So too, mudita, appreciative joy, is one of these qualities. And it's the quality that we might know when someone we really love and care for has something that they really wanted and we're so happy for them. That, um, you know, perhaps a child who we care for gets given the toy that they really wanted. And it's not a toy that we wanted, so it's not like we're feeling jealous that they got a, you know, a bright purple teddy bear or whatever it was, or that, you know, sort of, I don't know what kids really want these days, maybe not teddy bears, maybe video games or something, or computer games, but um, whatever it is, a sense of someone having received something that's really lovely. And that we can feel a sense of joy in that. Or we, someone we know who, who comes through something difficult, we really feel happy for them because they're feeling bright and uplifted again. It's a very particular quality and it's something very beautiful, something very powerful. To see that there are perhaps more opportunities for bringing or connecting with joy than we might have imagined. If we if we take other people's joy as something that might offer us a sense of joy too, if we take other people's happiness as something we can celebrate, then in fact there are many more opportunities for celebration. Understanding that, again, we're more connected than perhaps we realize, than perhaps is obvious to us in our habitual minds and our habitual ways of relating. The people that we're most close to, perhaps this is more clear with the sense of how we might celebrate their good fortune. Whereas the people who we don't like or we feel sort of maybe sort of in competition with in some way, we often really don't like it when things go well for them. Have you noticed that? It's a little bit embarrassing to admit it, but you know, if we really don't like someone and something really great happens for them, it doesn't usually make us happy, does it? And yet there's a possibility we could actually Discover a happiness in that on behalf of another, on behalf of everyone, in fact. And this is, this, this is the practice of, of appreciative joy. Now, just as the practice of loving kindness is one that's usefully begun where it's more accessible, we're not going to, and it's not suggested or useful, to try and begin by being happy about the person who you like the least, having got the thing that you want the most, which you don't have. Yeah, You can figure out that that will be quite hard to feel happy for them. Yeah, It's not impossible, but it will be quite hard. And so we are in the business in this practice of starting where it works and where it's accessible. And so what's most useful is to start with, with someone who we really care for or we enjoy having something that they are happy to have that we don't particularly need or want. Or that we, if we do, we have plenty of. And that. And so it might be, you know, I have you know, when I when I feed my cat some cat food, I have a lot of happiness for the fact that she seems to enjoy it, but I have absolutely no wish to have any of that stuff myself. It's really clear. You know, I have no competition. I don't think when I give her the last of the giant out of the can it's like, Oh, there's none for me, you know. It's kinda of obvious, isn't it? Um Well, I dunno, maybe different fathers, but for me that's how it is with that. And and just imagining what it might be to feel that for other people to bring that forth bring forth that quality that capacity for others it has a very lovely flavor in the heart and the mind this quality of appreciative joy and so we're going to we're going to pick it up and explore a little bit as a practice it comes very much together with the practice of loving kindness as, a, as another dimension of our heart that we can open that we can explore. And the way the practice works very much like the loving kindness. As I said, it's like we bring someone to mind, and then we bring to mind something that that person in that life that brings them that they have that we'd, we'd call good fortune, or that they, they celebrate, or that they're happy to have. And then the intention is to wish that their happiness continue, that their good fortune increase or sustain. And there's some phrases, so I'll just offer you some of the kinds of phrases one can use. And so you might just imagine, just, just take a moment to think of someone who you know, someone who you, you know, feel reasonably close to or fond of, who has something that they really seem to be happy about. Maybe it's someone who's You know. Just got into college that they wished to get into and there's no wish one has to oneself to go to that college, but you know, they've got there. Someone who's received something that they'd like, a friend of mine who's recently just found that a book she's written of poetry is going to be published, and she's just really happy about it. And things like this. Just just bringing someone to mind. And it might be that there's not a particular thing you have in mind for the person. Maybe just have a sense of someone who's... The basic sense that they're they're doing okay. They're doing okay. And the phrases that we, we, we can use are something... In, you can just see what might connect for you. But it's like, may your happiness continue and not decrease. Just thinking what that might be for someone that you would just wish that for them May your happiness increase or continue and not decrease May your good fortune not leave you even just simple blessings Well there's another phrase which I find is just very has a very sweet quality. May you enjoy an abundance of good things. Another phrase. just, Just, you can say, even if you don't know what the good things this person might have in their life, but this is what you're, in a way, wishing for them. May you enjoy an abundance of good things. And just noticing what the quality of that is. It's kind of soft and sweet and light. But it's also got something very rich in it. Something about honouring our connection and the shared nature of joy. Something shared. So this is a practice we're going to we're going to pick up and to explore a little bit. There's also something else we'd like to do. And so just, just now, having just taste a little bit the flavor of those phrases, we'll come back to that in a moment. Just having a sense of that. a sense of... It's, a, it's often a sort of joy is sometimes associated with sort of more exuberant, excited states of mind and activities. And of course it can be. But it doesn't need to be. That's not the only way it can come. There's more just a sense of an uplift and an opening out that joy evokes and brings. And Just a little earlier, Kirsten and I were reflecting on some ways and possibilities we could uh, sort of bring forth this quality and what we wanted to do together with you all to to support this. And uh, we found some boxes of crayons and bright colours and we thought, these are just what we need. And we, we'd been thinking about, and I'll say what we are going to do with them, but uh, as we were coming down the stairs I had most of the crayons in two containers and they were plastic and somehow, as and we were kind of a little, I have to say I was a little bit excited, we found these crayons, it's like great, we're going to get to play with something. And I squeezed a little bit too hard on the soft plastic and it popped out of my hand and all the crayons in fly- this one went flying into the air. Just as- and seeing that, I tried to catch them with the other hand, so I dropped that handful. And all the crayons were coming down the stairs, just went <laughs> onto the stairs. And it was just this moment where we both sort of just about cracked up. Um, and we did chuckle a bit. But it was like a very interesting thing, all these brightly coloured crayons just suddenly spraying out there, a little bit of uh, not quite what we had in mind. But a sense of... Sometimes that's what happens when we when we allow ourselves to feel a certain amount of excitement or joy. As we feel like, "Oop, I might lose it, and it could all go horribly wrong." And in this case, well, it probably would have been relatively embarrassing, as you know. I think only one or two people observed uh, what had happened, and those that did very kindly helped us pick them up, which was much appreciated. But something about that—just that sense of turning towards—I thought it was a good teaching, certainly for me, and maybe for for us. That sense of turning towards. Something that gives some delight. And allowing it, if things get a little messy as a result, allowing it to be a little untidy sometimes is really healthy. What we want to do with the crayons, and we've placed them in a bowl in um, in the room just at the end of the ramp with the notice boards, and there's plenty of crayons, is to invite you to take a piece of paper and a crayon from there. And we have about 30 minutes before we'll come back together. And to write... One or two or three things on the piece of paper that you love, or that bring you joy. Just simply, it might be, you know, my kitten, or it might be walking in the woods, or the the rain falling through the trees, or snuggling up in a warm duvet. Don't don't need to. They don't need to be the most holy things you can think of, you know. I really love feeling feelings of, uh, you know, compassion and loving kindness for all beings. It's the best, you know. It certainly is pretty pretty good. It is pretty good, yeah. But what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, you don't have to kind of do it on that basis. If that's what comes for you, it's fine. And just write them down and put them, don't put your name on it. You don't need to identify yourself in any way on the piece of paper. But because sometimes what's really a useful practice is to share what we love. What we're going to do is take the piece of paper and uh, we'll see how many there are cuz maybe that you don't do them all that not everyone feels moved to do this. But this is the invitation to write down some things that you love or, or something you really appreciate that makes you feel happy. Maybe something you've done or something you've seen happen. But make it simple just a sentence. We don't need all the details. Just a few words. And we'll read a few of them out, and we'll see. If we get excited, we might read all of them out. But um, We might sing, them. We might Well, Kirsten <laughs> might. So it's just a way of bringing forth the sense of what we appreciate, what we love, and letting it be shared here. And then we'll, together as a group, pick up again that practice of mudita, of appreciative joy, and we'll just give a little guidance and instruction with that again. But for now, in this period, so it's time for walking meditation. If you'd like to, having done, at some point in the next half an hour, take a few moments to write a few things down and put them in the bowl beside, you can continue with the loving-kindness practice, if you wish, for yourself, for another, for all beings. You're very welcome to do that. Or if you wish, you can just explore a little bit of the sense of mudita, of appreciative joy, of just... Bringing someone to mind and just using the phrase of may you enjoy an abundance of good things. May your happiness and good fortune continue. Just seeing what that's like for you. Just exploring a little bit with that if you feel interested to do so. And it's quite a, a lovely and remarkable thing to discover that there are many more opportunities for connecting with a sense of uplift and joy than perhaps we might have noticed So does that, is that reasonably clear for you and make sense in terms of what we've suggested? Of course, with the crayons, you'll probably need to find something hard to put the bit of paper on. and I guess you still remember how to use crayons. But uh, some of the really lighter or the brighter colours, I don't know how easy they'll be to read, so just you know, use them reasonably firmly and hopefully we'll be able to read what's there something interesting about crayons as well, that you can't sort of write small and tidy, at least I can't write small or tidy things with them, and maybe that's appropriate for this occasion. And then we'll come back together at um, 8.15. So, some time for practice and writing down a few things that you appreciate, that you love, or that you... Find to bring you joy. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.